purple, get ready to roll indeed. This is the College and Kimball Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Burkhart, getting set to dive into yet another of the Know Your Enemy preview series. We're going to be taking a look at Texas Tech in this installment. Before I do bring on the host of the Talking Tech Podcast, quick call to action to our listeners. Follow us on Twitter if you haven't already. It's college underscore Kimball. And if you haven't had a chance to subscribe to our podcast on whatever your preferred app is, we're on all the major platforms, which include Apple and Spotify. With all that said, guns up. Let's do it. Smith will keep it himself. Touchdown. Jonathan Garibay. The boot is away. And it's good. Walk-off win for the Red Raiders. 62. Pleased now to be joined by Steven Rodriguez and Tristan McGonigal of the Talkin' Tech podcast. You can find those two on Twitter at L underscore S underscore Rodriguez and at Tristy, T-R-I-S-T-Y-M-C. And guys, excited to have you on here to talk about tech for the upcoming season. But before we get into 2022, I first wanted to rewind the clock and look at the end of the Matt Wells era and Kansas state was kind of the grim reaper program last season and the Wildcats 25 to 24 victory over Texas tech and Lubbock was ultimately what provoked tech boosters and alums to make a change and to oust Matt Wells as head coach. I got to ask, why was it that one result? Because at that point, Tech was 5-2 and two going into that game. Matt Wells was guaranteed to have the most wins he had ever accrued in a single season as Tech's head coach. Why did the K-State loss send everybody over the edge? Matt Wells was never fully bought in by the fan base, even from the moment he was hired at Texas Tech. Uh, it wasn't really him as a person. You know, he seems like a good enough dude and a uh, decent enough coach, but then we just kept getting disappointed. I mean, and after the Kingsbury years, we just wanted some wins, man. Uh, we were playing down to competition, constantly tight games against FCS opponents and losing games. We just really shouldn't have. I mean, you look back at last year specifically, you know, that, that was an eight or nine win team in all honesty with the, with the talent wise on it. But um, you know, we just, played down to our competition in my eyes. And uh, I think after we blew it to K-State, we already lost a big one, uh, you know, to UT and a big one to TCU. And the K-State one was just kind of the final dagger for for Coach Wells. Yeah, and, and, and in fairness with that, you know, it's it's we're, we're leaning in on Wells. Last season, yeah, we had potential to win a lot of games, but we also were plagued with injuries as well. You know, your, your starting quarterback goes out a few games in to that ugly loss at UT. And I probably you could probably trace the the wit that like Matt Wells isn't going to make it through the season at at that UT game because it's just it's it is completely irrehensible to blow that kind of game like to your biggest rival on paper. So it's just that was unbelievable. And like like Steven said, you can't uh, I mean, Matt Wells was just never really bought in. And it's just it always felt like a forced marriage from the beginning. And in that class. Of Big 12 coaches, Wells, Brown, and Kleiman, everyone was saying that Wells was the worst of the three, and it kind of turned out to be true. Tech certainly seemed like it lacked identity under Matt Wells, and that's very much what West Virginia is going through right now with Neil Brown and 
frankly, I think he's going to be the next coach on the chopping block. But I will save that for the West Virginia preview. To bring it back to Texas Tech, as we alluded to, a change does get made. Sonny Cumbie comes in as the interim to finish out the season. And I got to ask, were there any mixed feelings among the Texas Tech fan base in watching him just go out and smack Mike Leach and Mississippi State in that Liberty Bowl game? I mean, the, the talking tech position on Mike Leach is appreciate the years that he gave us, but let's not live in the past. It's time to move on kind of thing. Um, I, I hope I'm not speaking for Steve and I, but I'm, I know that's how we feel. But it, it, it was cathartic because, I mean, there it wasn't an ounce of, no, I, I, I don't, I kind of want Mike Leach to beat us. It was, no, let's throttle this guy and break the so-called Mike Leach curse. So we can leave that era of Texas Tech football behind us. And then how movie plot is it that his own quarterback eviscerated him? You know, it's just like it's just such a a, a awesome storyline that we got to witness. And I, we can't thank Sonny Cumbie enough. I think he's going to do great at Law Tech. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm fully in agreement there. Uh, I, I Mike Leach, there's always going to be those those stands amongst our fan base uh, for, you know, those days and. Uh, you know, because that was some of the most fun football, the most winning football we've seen at Texas Tech was under Mike Leach. But, uh, you know, after the whole scandal and everything that went down with him, I think we were just ready to move on at this point because there's too many people in our fan base just pining for those days. And kind of, you know, like Tristan said, it just really felt good to beat him and move on and, you know, lift this so-called curse that neither of us really believed in, but plenty of our fan base did. So uh, it, it was it was really fun. Uh it was really fun just winning a bowl game, to be honest with you. But it was just fun in general beating beating Mike Leach and, and kicking his butt by how much we did. Yeah, that was very lopsided. I, I love seeing the shot. I believe it was Cumby walking in. Had the uh, I don't know what he had draped over him, but it, I was just walking. Yeah, yeah, just looking like a badass coming in, and, uh, and you knew Tech was was down was going to be live for that game. So oh, yeah. let's fast forward a couple of months here. Uh, Kirby Hocutt, former K-Stater, ends up hiring Joey McGuire away from Baylor. Uh, I guess just I'll stop right there and ask, how, how big is that to pluck somebody who's as, as well-respected in Texas high school coaching communities as he is? How big is it to take that type of a character away from Baylor? It's huge. Um, Joey McGuire, his connections that he has in the high school, the Texas high school scene is uh, what you need at Texas Tech, because quite honestly, we have so much competition in this state, whether it's UT, A&M, OU, LSU, you know, it's really tough. And for Joey to come in here and already start recruiting his tail off like he has been, um, it's just massive for Texas Tech because, you know, there's so many false, uh, just, I don't know if it's rumors, it's just false statements that you can't recruit to Lubbock. You know, it's, it hasn't, you know, with with basketball, with baseball, we've proven that you can recruit to Lubbock. And now Joey McGuire has never, uh, since he stepped on campus, thought it's been a difficult thing. And, uh, you know, he's proved it with, um, I think we have the number 16 class in 2023 right now. So um, as high as number two in the nation. So um, I, Joey's just been a blessing from his energy uh, to what he truly, truly believes he can build here at Texas Tech. And we just need a guy like that. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure as K-State fans listening can probably emphasize with a lot of uh, how Texas Tech fans feel a lot of the time with the way they talk about the college town and the predicament that they're in. So there's yep. a, there's a lot of parallels there. And, and Stephen really hit the nail on the head. And 
Joey McGuire is going to be the most unique coach in the Big 12 in the sense that his path to becoming a college power five football coach is just so different. You know, how often do you see a longtime high school football coach make this sort of shift and jump into this? And it's it's an approach that's not that you don't see very often. And I think it's really going to pay dividends for Texas Tech because getting talent to, to Lubbock has certainly been an issue. It's not Lubbock's fault. It's been the, the staff's fault. So I'm just glad I'm glad that he's just all in on bringing players in and selling the campus and selling Lubbock. Tech was sitting at 18 commitments for the 2023 class before the month of April wrapped up. So that goes to show you he has certainly hit the ground running on the recruiting trail. And I had a chance to listen to him in an interview with Chris Hummer on the College Football Daily podcast. It's a great listen. I would certainly encourage our listeners to check that out. He embodies so many of the things that you want to see in a young coach. He's got the energy. We talked about the enthusiasm and the excitement that he's bringing back to the Texas Tech program. Those are all fine and good, but I would have to imagine that there are probably also some reservations on the part of Texas Tech fans, namely experience. Is that safe to say, or are there other concerns beyond that? I mean, it's a huge leap. I, you know, there's so there's quite the difference between a f- uh, high school football and college football. I mean, the, the the expectations, the pressure, and the the gameplay, it's all just a whole nother level. It's a huge jump because you know only a fraction of high school kids have the opportunity to come up and play at this level. So it, it's just that's that's probably where you're worried the most is game time experience. Obviously, he's proving that he. Uh, can recruit kids, and I love the coordinators he's picked. So hopefully they're going to be doing most of the play calling anyway. But it's that that's probably where you're wor- most the, the most worried. Like, is this man capable of making clutch calls when he needs to and laying out a game plan that puts W's on the board? Because that's what's most important at the end of the day, I would say. What about you, Stephen? Yeah, no, I think you basically highlighted it. It's uh, it's the lack of experience as a Power Five head coach in college football. You know, he's proved that he can win at the top level in high school, uh, but he's not really, you know, uh, I guess he's coached defense uh, since he's been in college football at Baylor. Um, But, you know, he hasn't really been a star coordinator, uh, you know, any of that type. So we're really banking on this kind of CEO of the team and, uh, you know, half of being a head coach is the coordinators that you hire in your hiring process. And like Tristan said, I mean, I I think he's got a couple good ones to start off. Um, but, yeah, I guess it's just kind of the inexperience as, as a college football head coach uh, for me that's that's kind of um, just something to keep an eye on. You guys brought up the coordinators, and I think that's a good opportunity to transition into the 2022 season. And I wanted to start off talking about the offensive side of the ball with new OC Zach Kitley. He comes to Tech by way of Western Kentucky. He does, however, have Texas Tech roots. He served as a student assistant and a grad assistant in the early 2010s. Most notably last season, Western Kentucky was a juggernaut on offense. He turned Bailey Zappi into a fourth-round draft pick after he tossed 62 touchdown passes. So I would imagine that Kitley is going to endear himself to Tech fans by returning the offense to that traditional air raid attack that we saw in the early part of the Mike Leach era. Are fans excited to see the offense go back to its roots, so to speak? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're just excited to see, you know, what Texas Tech is kind of known for, and that's, you know, scoring a lot of points. Um, But with Zach Kittley specifically, we saw him all too well in the uh, 2020 season as he was the OC over there at Houston Baptist when they almost upset Tech in Lubbock. 
Um, so, <laughs> you know, that was this frightening enough game. And we were like, oh, no, this is <laughs> this is a guy who learned under Kingsbury, who, you know, helped with the Patrick Mahomes time at Texas Tech. And, uh, you know, is this guy going to go ahead and beat us? But, um, you know, I think for me, Zach Kitley is a guy that brings an energy to this offense that we just haven't seen really since Kingsbury. And um, I, I'm just super excited for Kitley, super excited for our defensive coordinator and Tim DeRuiter as well. But uh, Tristan, what are your thoughts kind of on, on Kitley? Uh, Zach Kitley is definitely the second most exciting thing that happens when we brought in Joey McGuire. Because originally, for uh, K-State fans probably don't know this, uh, we, we were going to stick with Sonny Cumbie at offensive coordinator. And I think we were all pretty pumped about that. He certainly earned that right, getting us bowl eligible and winning seven games for the first time in forever as an interim. But, you know, he he got the opportunity to have his own own club. And what's so cool about bringing in Zach Kitley is he was coveted. You know, there there's big names, like bigger names in tech without a wanted him like Auburn and such. Um, but what brought him home was the guy's a West Texas kid. He's a Texas Tech alumni, and he got his coaching career under Kingsbury, like Stephen uh, touched on. And his father is a legend at Texas Tech University. His his father is our track and field coach who recently won a national championship a couple of years ago. So the Kitley family runs very deep at Texas Tech. And what's really great about that, other than just, you know, ha- having one of your own, is he knows what Texas Tech is. So he knows how to sell Texas Tech to recruits. And obviously he's got that Kingsbury quarterback pro- uh, prodigy in him that I'm really looking forward to seeing revived within uh, Texas Tech. So, But I'm glad he's the offensive coordinator. You know, I, we've, we've had our head coaches were pretty much our OCs like Cliff, so I'm glad that he's dedicated to just being the coordinator right now. Now, Kidley's going to have a pretty big decision to make as far as the quarterback battle is concerned for the upcoming season. And in looking at the returners from last year's squad, you have Tyler Shuck, the Oregon transfer. He breaks his collarbone early in the season against the University of Texas. He's out for the rest of the year. Henry Columby ends up replacing him in the short term, but ultimately gives way to Donovan Smith, who really does put up some respectable numbers coming down the stretch of the season for the Red Raiders. He hit 61% of his throws, tossed seven touchdowns to just two interceptions, and also had 155 yards rushing and three touchdowns on the ground. Smith is a little bit bigger frame, and that might be an understatement. He's listed at 6'5 and 240, but I would imagine Shuck probably is perceived as the one with the more polished arm. Do you guys think that the coaches have a lean one way or the other between those two? You know, if, if I was just going to, you know, put money on the line of who's going to start ga- game one, I would put money on Chuck. Uh, he's got the most experience out of all the guys and he'd like, he's, he's probably, you know, talent, raw talent wise on the upper ep- echelon of it. And he's got, like, he's got the age on him. I would go Tyler Shuck first. Um, but the thing about this quarterback race is it's it seems incredibly tight between the three of them. That's why I'm saying if you'd have to make me put money on the line if I was going to make this guess, because otherwise I can't tell you one way or the other. What about you, Stephen? Yeah, it, it truly is a three-horse race. We didn't mention uh, Baron Morton, who's the young gun of this group, uh, coming in one of the highest-rated recruits in Texas Tech history, uh, coming in. And, I mean, the thing with all three of these guys is there's talent oozing through all three of them. They can all do, they're, they're all similar in terms of, yeah, they have a great arm, but they can also take off if they need to, uh, you know, some are better than others. Donovan Smith, probably the best runner of the group. Uh, like you mentioned, the, the Colin Klein comparison is very, uh, very good for Donovan Smith. Um, and, and he just looked really sharp in some of those games towards the end of the year. Um, you know, Shuck probably has the best arm of all three of them. 
And Morton, I mean, is just the unknown factor. I mean, he can, he may be, uh, you know, he's, he doesn't have quite as good arm as Shuck, but he's also doesn't, can't quite take off as well as Smith, but he's right there with both of them. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what, what McGuire does with this. Um, I would also put my money on Shuck, but you know, I'm not going to be mad at any decision because I just hope, you know, these coaches, and, and he's even mentioned Joey McGuire multiple times has mentioned, we're going to have packages for all three of these guys throughout the year. So I don't know how that's going to work, but I would imagine Shuck is your main guy. Uh, have some specific packages for Donovan Smith on the run game uh, and then even throw Morton in there. Um, so I, I yeah, I, I'd probably go Shuck, but all three of these dudes I'm, I'm excited about. Now there aren't a lot of known quantities as far as pass catchers go for Texas Tech this upcoming season. Eric Azukanman, who led the Red Raiders in receptions and yards last year, he gets drafted by the Dolphins in the fourth round this past April. Texas Tech loses ultimately three out of its four top pass catchers from a year ago, so it's going to be a clean slate for Kitley and company. Now, I guess at the end of the day, it it really doesn't matter that much just thinking about it from the outside perspective because I remember when I was watching those Texas Tech teams in the early aughts that it didn't you didn't really know any of those wide receivers. They were truly just plug and play. The only name that really stands out in my mind is Michael Crabtree. And I think most big 12 fans could pluck that one out of the air pretty quickly. But to that point, who's been getting the most buzz in the preseason here? And who do you expect to merge as some of the top pass catchers for uh, the quarterbacks here in 2022? Yeah, I guess the number one guy you look out for is Miles Price. He's going to have a huge year. Um, he's, I, I, you know, for, for tech fans, he's very similar to, uh, Jakeem Grant. Um, I know Zach Kitley has made comparisons to Jarrett Stearns last year at Western Kentucky. Uh, you know, a guy who just caught a million balls and had a ton of yardage last year. Uh, Miles Price is probably going to be your, your leading receiver. Um, in terms of, we have so much hype (laughs) on this receiving class. Uh, you know, just massive dudes. Jaran Bradley is one of those guys to look out for on the outside, along with Loic Fungi. Um, and then, you know, we have Trey Cleveland as well. But it's just a ton of youth. J.J. Sparkman's another guy that could break out. So uh, a lot of unknown in the receivers right now. But I think a lot of excitement and a lot of guys that have that potential to really make a name for themselves this year. Yeah, I, I mean, Steven, Steven really broke it down great for you there. Uh, like, And you kind of touched on it before, Jeff. You know, at Texas Tech, the wide receiver position isn't really one that we're ever concerned about. If you could pick any position on the field that we're going to be like, oh, do we have the talent this year to get it done? The wide receiver position is going to be the last one you pick. So I, I, I feel all confidence in the world that uh, these are weapons to be used. So uh, that's just definitely a position group that Texas Tech can, never is deficient on. I at least have to float a question out there about the running back position. And Texas Tech does have two pretty solid options back there in the backfield with Taj Brooks, who ran for 568 yards and was pretty explosive last season, averaging 6.5 a pop. And then to complement him, you had Sir Roderick Thompson, who had 500 yards on the ground, wasn't quite as explosive, only averaging 4.7 a carry. But those two did combine for 17 rushing touchdowns. And I guess the question on my mind is, has Kitley given any indication about how he intends to use those two I imagine they're going to be called upon a lot more in the passing game and to contribute in that manner the best one-two punch in my eyes in the big 12 in terms of running backs now you know we can look at um UT's guy B. John Robinson we can look at Deuce Vaughn over there at Kansas State 
those guys are probably better, you know, more talented players than either of our running backs. But just the combination of Taj Brooks going at you, Sir Roderick Thompson going at you, uh, Taj Brooks really showed a lot. This is probably our strongest position group on offense right now. Uh, and then even backing them up, uh, Cameron Valdez is going to be in the mix there. Blake Bedwell, who I think is the transfer from SMU, he's going to be involved. So just four deep on running backs really helps. Uh, I think what you're looking at with these guys is uh, the catchability factor. Um, they have both of them, Sir Roderick and Taj Brooks, haven't really been, uh, you know, unbelievable receivers uh, in the past out of the backfield. But, um, you know, they're really, really talented. I'm, I think everybody, every Texas Tech fan is excited for this running back core. Um, Taj Brooks, I think, has potential to be, uh, you know, a leading rusher in the Big 12. There's just so much running back talent in the Big 12 that it's hard to say he's going to be number one or number two. But, um, you know, we're definitely going to use these running backs like crazy, and I'm excited for it. Yeah, it's been like upwards of four years since we've had a running back room this strong. And I think what's what's Stephen touched on a great like with the passing game and all that is what's what's going to be great about uh, bringing in uh, Zach, uh, bringing in Kitley is he's going to get really creative with it. And I think we're going to be seeing some really cool plays. They really uh, keep the defense unbalanced, whether we're running it or throwing it. So uh, I think I think these guys are just going to be weapons to be feared because I like I really do think that this is going to top two group. And uh, I mean, not maybe not top two, but like a really top heavy group here for the running backs in the Big 12. You guys pretty well hit it on the head there. This is a very deep conference as far as the running back position goes. And even if Taj and or Sir Roderick don't end up with any kind of all Big 12 accolades, I still think you'll get some very decent production out of one and or both of those guys. And and frankly, the offense as a whole is not my concern. I think Texas Tech's going to be able to manufacture points just fine. It might take a few weeks to to work through those initial slumps of learning the new book and deploying game plans and whatnot. But I think they'll be humming by midseason. Defensively is where I have most of my questions and concerns for Texas Tech. And to that point, Joey McGuire brings in Tim DeRuiter, who's been damn near everywhere. So he's got a pretty monumental task ahead of him. And I guess to that point... What are the biggest areas that he needs to focus on in terms of getting tech prepared for the upcoming season? Yeah, I think the challenge for Tim DeRuiter is really just seeing how everybody flows together. We have talent on this defense. This is probably our most talented secondary we've had in a long time at Texas Tech. And that has definitely not been a strong suit for the Red Raiders uh, in the recent past. But there's a lot of top end talent here. And even on the defensive line, uh, you're looking at outside linebackers. We have some real, real talent on this defense. Uh, you look at a guy like Tyree Wilson, who probably should have been on the preseason all big 12 team. Uh, I mean, just a tank of a human six, six. <laughs> I think he's like two ninety five. I mean, he's just massive. Uh, and then you have a really veteran defensive back unit. You have guys like Dadrian Taylor Demerson, uh, Rayshad Williams really came on at the end of the year as your number one corner last year. Muddy Waters is back as his super senior season, uh, who was fantastic before his season ended early in the UT game last year. Um, you know, <laughs> Krishan Merriweather's coming back, who's one of the best run defending uh, linebackers, I think, in the Big 12. So there's really some top-end talent on the defense at Texas Tech. It's just, can we can we put it together? Can these groups play together well under Tim DeRuiter? We've seen him come and change a program in just a year as a defensive coordinator. Uh, you know, he's been, like you said, at several stops, Texas A&M, 
Oregon. Uh, you know, he was head coach for a while at Fresno State. So, uh, you know, he's been around. He's a veteran. He knows kind of what he's doing. And uh, I think, you know, a lot of a lot of these players on defense are veterans. So I think they're going to meld or mold really well together. Yeah, I mean, it's just we're I think we'd be really grateful that for once, you know, as a Texas Tech fan, we could be confident in the backfield because that's just where we've gotten so tore up. The Big 12 is uh, is in the back is, is in the secondary. So I'm so glad that we got some veterans and some real leaders on the defense. And like Stephen said, I'm, I'm so glad we brought, we're bringing in a, a very experienced uh, defensive coordinator. Uh, and we also our head coach was a, a defensive sided uh, guy over at Baylor. So it's kind of cool to double down on a, on the side of the ball that Texas Tech is infamous, infamously like meme level bad at in, in, in the past decade. So I, I, I we actually can feel pretty confident in this unit. I don't, I don't say this tongue in cheek or to be vindictive here, but nowhere to go for a, for a, for a team that finished 119th <laughs> defending the pass last year, 95th in scoring defense. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see. He does have a couple of big losses in, in Rico Jeffers and Colin Schooler, a couple of tough stalwarts to, to replace there in the linebacking core. But you guys sound pretty bullish, though, on the back end. And, and, and really, if you can defend the pass in the Big 12, that that's going to go a long way in, in helping you win some games. And, and I guess to 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 move into the schedule side of things as we start to look ahead to the 2022 season man no favors out of the shoot in this one you get murray state you get a six and five fcs team which th- that's a game you, you you'll obviously win but you guys alluded to it matt wells and company struggled with some fcs squads they, they only beat uh stephen f austin by six last year so you get them out of the gate but then it's houston at nc state texas in lubbock at K-State and at Oklahoma State. I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer here, man, but like one in five is it's it's on the table, I, I guess, as, as tech on the tech side of it. What would you guys be happy with through that first half of the season? Hey, man, I mean, Las Vegas has us at five and a half. So it's it's not like the, the, the we have high expectations for this right now. It's just we have a <laughs> I think we have a great future ahead of us. I think we're building a foundation that to last and that's going to do great things. But Man, what a gauntlet that you just laid out here on our, our front half of the schedule. Shoot, man, nothing. The only W you can see that you can get away with just flat out saying yes is Murray State, like you said. Honestly, after that, I mean, we somehow keep pulling a rabbit out of the hat with Houston. Houston has been the better team than us, and we just for some reason keep getting the best of them. So, And it's at home. So I do think that we're capable of beating Houston. I would say that's probably a pretty 50-50 game. I know they're going to have a pretty strong team this year. So, But I think 50-50 would be fair. And NC State is just has all the hype in the world from them over there in the ACC. They're looking to maybe even pull an upset on getting that crown. So I, I don't expect us to win that game. Uh, and obviously, out of all the games on this schedule that we'd want to see, a W is definitely a UT. So, and we get them at home. And I think it's definitely possible. I think that the, this, obviously, like every year, UT is going to be overrated as all get up. And I just hate that even when they're all overrated all, as all get up, they have a special spell on Texas Tech where we could just hardly ever beat them. So it's just so frustrating. What do you think, Steven? Yeah, the schedule is not very forgiving for uh, Joey's first season. But, um, you know, really tough out of conference slate going to Raleigh uh, and then having Houston, who's probably had their best team in a long time. Um, but, you know, the Murray State game, cool, awesome. We'll get that dub there. But. Um, you know, to open up Big 12 play, what, Texas at Kansas State, at Oklahoma State, West Virginia at home. So that's tough. It's tough. Uh, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I'm, I'm a little higher on Texas than I usually am. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens with that team. You can't deny the talent that they have, but also, you know, they've been talented pretty much every year. 
Uh, it's just they haven't put it together under their last three head coaches. So um, that's going to tell a lot in that Texas game. Um, you know, I, I like that we're opening up with them. I'd rather have them, you know, beginning of the Big 12 slate than back of the Big 12 slate. Uh, Kansas State, you know, I think they have a lot of unknowns. I think a lot of people are, are getting there on Kansas State. Adrian Martinez is exciting. Uh, you know, the defense, there's undeniable talent on that defense. Um, but I think that's going to be, you know, a, a, a close game with, with Tech and Kansas State. Oklahoma State stuff. Uh, but it, this is going to be kind of a story of uh, how we handle uh, really tough situations and how Joey keeps getting his guys up for games if we do end up starting off really poor, which I think a lot of people are expecting us to. So I don't know. Maybe I, I think the Big 12 is so open this year, though that it's going to be, you know, a, an opportunity and a chance uh, for Texas Tech to potentially make some noise. Wholeheartedly agree with you. And I think it's really critical, obviously, to have a somewhat decent start through that first half of the schedule. I think if they're able to get to two or three wins in that first half, they're going to set themselves up to be in a bowl game. And I guess that's my next question. Gun to your head. Do you think the Red Raiders are in the postseason this year? I'm going to say yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. You want to go first, Steven? (laughs) I'll go first. I'm going to say yes. Uh, I think it's going to be probably a a seven and six or, uh, you know, maybe a six and six year or six and seven year, whatever that would end up being. But I think it's a barely make a bowl game type of season. Uh, There's just I, I and I don't know if it's just me being a biased Texas Tech fan, but I really think there's a lot of talent on this year's team. And uh, you should make a bowl game with how wide open the Big 12 is. You know, I, I just see Baylor lost so much. UT has not proven it yet. OU's losing one of the best head coaches in college football. You know, Iowa State lost a ton. It's it's just so open. And I can't get there yet. I'm, I'm not low enough on this team, the talent on this team, to say we're not going to make a bowl game. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in full agreement, uh, but I think it's just a six win. I think we just get to a bowl eligibility. I don't think we're going beyond that. I think we're going to uh, do uh, do the over there with Vegas. But after that, it's just it's it's hard because, you know, as you just asked that question, I'm sitting here saying, OK, we can win that. We can win that. We can win that. Let's coin flip. I just think it's going to be in order for us to get to a bowl game. I don't think we'll be favored in nearly any game. So it's just going to be what coin flip do you get to land on your side? So we, what upsets are you going to pull? So I, I think it's going to be a tale of that because obviously you can bank on uh, getting Kansas, Murray State, but after maybe West Virginia since we've really had them and they've really, really been tumbling. But um, after that, it's just who's going who's gonna to be the, the unlucky team to lose to us because I really think we'll be a dog in pretty much every single game. But I think we somehow make it to six wins. We somehow made it to six wins with an interim coach. So it's, it's, <laughs> I think it's certainly possible. It would be a huge feather in the cap for McGuire if he is able to make a bowl game here in year one. I know that's a low bar for some, but you do have to consider that he didn't really have the opportunity to just bake three wins into the resume for the Red Raiders this season. That's really an obstacle that most first-time head coaches face. So if Texas Tech does manage to make it to the six-win mark or potentially better, the Red Raiders will have certainly earned a bid to whatever bowl game they end up landing in. Truth be told, I don't really sweat whether or not Tech makes the postseason this year under McGuire. We've already talked about the accomplishments on the recruiting trail here in just the first couple of months on the job. Texas Tech poised to have a top 25 class by all accounts. And I guess to kind of wrap things up, I wanted to ask, projecting out long term, how many years do you foresee McGuire getting to build and craft this roster 
just because Matt Wells got a pretty quick hook, but I feel like McGuire might have a little bit longer of a leash. I'll, I'll certainly t- take that question first. I think I think he's in it for the long haul. I think he gets at least four years. Uh, I think if, if we could consider that the long haul now. I mean, we gave Cliff six, but obviously he was a special case. Um, but I, I think McGuire gets the same sort of treatment because just he's already bought an enormous amount of goodwill with the fan base. He's just he's just he's just a magnetic. Everyone loves him, and his recruiting class has already proven that he can really build something here if he if given the time. So I, I think he gets really long leash because I think this man was hired. And the reason why I think we ditched Matt Wells so quickly is everyone – it was obviously a marriage that none of us were happy in. But this is a play for the future Big 12. This is to really set ourselves up to be a front runner in this new look Big 12. I, I, I think that's what we, we, we wanted to get ahead of more than anything. I, I, think that's, I think that's why he gets to hang around because that doesn't happen until realistically 2025. Well, of course, you know, the new team's coming next year. But I think that's the main play for Joey McGuire is building that ridiculously solid foundation going into a new era of college football. And you can see the commitment from the, from the boosters behind him with how much money they're throwing at the Jones AT&T Stadium right now so, and, the, and the training facilities. So I, I think it's, it's a long haul sort of thing, at least four years. Yeah, I mean, certainly Joey has done everything right so far. Um, you know, he's recruiting the heck out of uh, Texas Tech right now. Um, and it, it, you just have to, like you mentioned, with the state of college football, you have to take it a year-by-year basis. I do think he gets three years minimum. Um, and then, you know, from there, if we start improving, if we see these wins, uh, the thing with Matt Wells was we just never saw a consistent culture with the program. We never saw guys fighting and going out there prepared every game and that's what we that's what we expect we expect guys to fight for texas tech and uh i think joey's joey has that mentality he's got this brand you know that he's building at texas tech um and i think kirby hocutt and the fan base have fully 100 percent bought in on joey and uh you know we may not see it in year one i don't think a lot of people are really expecting to see it in year one but you know everything i think a bowl game is a bonus this year and then we take it from there um, if we don't see consistent improvement, if we're not winning, you know, seven, eight games by year three, I can't say that we're expecting to keep Joey after that. But, you know, that's so far in the future, it's really hard to tell. Um, and that's with everybody in college football because everybody needs wins. But uh, Tristan mentioned it. The new Big 12, you need to be uh, you need to take advantage because two top dogs are leaving in terms of brands. Uh, and this is your opportunity to really make Texas Tech a name. Same with Kansas State. They have a great opportunity right now, uh, you know, to really become a top dog in this new conference. And so um, I, I'm excited for Joey. I think uh, I think, you know, Kirby's going to give him a little longer of a leash than he did Matt Wells. For the long term vitality of the Big 12, I certainly hope that is the case. And I've talked about it on Twitter. I really do feel that Texas Tech got it right this time. I, I know it's unfortunate that Matt Wells ends up being nothing more than a bridge between Cliff and McGuire, but at the end of the day, you were only on the hook for Wells for a little bit less than three seasons, so roster management and recruiting isn't going to be such a massive undertaking for the new staff, and we've already talked about it. McGuire's going to have this roster rebuild and up to snuff here in no time, and I really do feel that Texas Tech is going to be poised to be one of the contenders in the new look Big 12. As a fan of the conference, I love it. As a Kansas State fan, I'm not super thrilled about it, and I'm probably not going to be super thrilled about having our guys have to go down to Lubbock and face a much more competent and confident team. But at the end of the day, I would much rather be supporting 
a team and school that is in a power conference and has a seat at the table, so to speak. So I can deal with Texas Tech going back up and, and being a contender again in the Big 12. So with all that said, guys, I do have to thank you very much for the insight on the Red Raiders. I love talking to you. And before I do cut you both loose here, where can our listeners find you on Twitter? And when do you guys expect to be pushing out content this season? Uh, right now on Twitter, you can follow the podcast at Talking Tech Pod. Uh, you can follow both me and Tristan. I don't really use my personal Twitter. Uh, it's at L underscore S underscore Rodriguez. I, I mostly run the pod account. And then Tristan's at Tristy Mick. Um, you know, we're a part of a great uh, podcast network at Guns Up Nation. Um, you know, great Texas Tech outlet. Uh, have a lot of good stories coming out. Have a lot of good social media presence. Um, everything. So follow Guns Up Nation and um, you know, we're, we're partnered with a couple of great podcasts on that network as well, uh, with the Ramblin' Raiders and with, uh, the Suns Up Guns Up podcast. So, um, you know, everybody, if you can just follow those, uh, if you're interested in Texas tech content, you know, we, we've been slacking a little bit this off season, you know, putting stuff out, uh, every couple of weeks, but once football season gets raring to go, we're ready, uh, weekly episodes and, um, you know, we just have a lot of fun with it. Certainly enjoyed talking to Tristan McGonigal and Steven Rodriguez of the Talkin' Tech podcast. Really looking forward to bringing those guys back on later on in the year when the Wildcats will play host to the Red Raiders. That's going to be K-State's Big 12 home opener on October 1st. So those voices, you'll be hearing them again not too long. That is going to do it for this installment of the Know Your Enemy Big 12 preview series. Again, I'm going to be breaking down each and every Big 12 team ahead of the 2022 college football season. Really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen. Please, if you haven't had a chance to already, follow us on Twitter at college underscore Kimball. And again, you can subscribe to our podcast on all the major platforms. With all that being said, I'll wrap it up the way that I always do. Catsman, if you know, you know.